I know the way I operate as a man, as a husband, as a father, as a friend, as a host of a podcast, as a teammate, as a businessman, as a anything is far better than it ever would have been. And, and I have great memories, but when I look back on the people that sort of populated that scene, you know, those weren't friends. And not that they were bad friends or they were mean or they were vindictive, they, but, they, but they just weren't they're friends. They're there for the ride. And, the better, the, and they're gone, which is a bummer. But the most important thing is I know, and I say this all the time, I know who my friends are. That's Lance Armstrong. This week on the Retrol Podcast. The Rich Roll Podcast. Hey everybody, how you guys doing? What is happening? What's the latest? How are you feeling? My name is Rich Roll. I am your host. This is my podcast. Welcome to it. Big show today, really big show today with somebody who truly needs no introduction, uh, none other than Lance Armstrong. Lance Armstrong on the podcast today. And uh, rather than do my typical opening, I thought I would do something a little bit different this time to help provide a little bit of context and nuance and background on this episode. So I have David Zamet joining us. Say hi, David. Hey. Many of you guys know uh, David's the uh, photographer, the filmmaker, hailing from Malta, who I've been working with over the last two months. And David came along with me to Austin to help document this podcast, along with the podcast that we did with Rip Esselstyn that's coming up soon. Uh, and I thought it would be fun to discuss a few thoughts about Lance and the episode with David in a more conversational way rather than just me doing a monologue. Uh, so by way of background, um, I had never met Lance before. We have some mutual friends and acquaintances in common, but we'd never met prior to this. And when the opportunity arose to do it, uh, I jumped at the opportunity um, because, of course, I would want to talk to Lance Armstrong. And I, I, I didn't know what to expect. I went into it with an open mind and an open heart. And I think it's important for all of you guys who are listening to understand that I'm not an investigative journalist. Uh, I'm not that interested in, in rehashing a bunch of terrain that Lance has spoken on ad nauseum in the past. And I really tried to explore and uh, mine some new terrain. And as for you know my overall perspective, I've said this many times on the podcast before, uh, I have a tendency to really be able to see the gray in everything. And I don't see my role as host of this podcast to, to judge, you know, in terms of the cycling community and all of that. You know, I wasn't a professional cyclist. I was not part of that culture. Um, but I am somebody who is a member of the triathlon and cycling community at large. Um, and I followed sport and Lance closely forever and, I understand well, per perhaps you know better than most people, all of the issues that swirl and surround Lance, all of the controversies. I, I get it. I get that Lance is very polarizing. He is an emotional figure, and people have very strong feelings about him. I get that as well. And up front, I just want to say that I don't think this conversation is likely to change people's opinions. If you're coming into this with a strong opinion of Lance, this conversation probably isn't going to move the needle one way or the other for you. 
Uh, and leading up to this, uh, I had put it out on social media. There were a few tweets and social media posts about this episode, and I got plenty of comments from you guys out there, ranging from people who are very excited to listen to this, uh, and then a couple people who expressed their outrage uh, that I would have Lance on the podcast. And I, I get that as well. I understand that having him on the show may not sit great uh with everybody and and that's fine you know like i said i'm not an investigative journalist i'm not judge and jury this is not about applauding or reprimanding i'm really interested in the human condition what makes people tick why they do what they do or did and what they have learned from their experiences both good and bad and and how we together can can learn from all of them um, and towards that end Look, if you look back on the history of this podcast, I've had all kinds of interesting people on the show. I've had a convicted murderer. I've had a registered sex offender. I've had a convicted insider trader turned FBI informant. I've had a whole battery of reprobate but reformed alcoholics and drug addicts and drug dealers. And some of those episodes are among my very favorites. And some of those people are among my very favorite people. And for the very reason that that those conversations mine, they expose, they explore the human condition in, in all its forms and its failures and its lessons. And I've learned from all of these people and all of those experiences. And so it is with that spirit in which I approach this conversation, because whether you love Lance or you loathe him, Lance truly is, it's undeniable that he is one of the most prominent figures of our time and a figure that really transcends sport. I mean, there are very few people in the last century that have achieved such incredible heights of glory and such lows. And I'm really interested in what that's like and what we can learn from that. Uh, Lance is one of the most fierce and intense competitors on the planet, for better or worse. I think those are traits that both have served him well and also paved his downfall. And that's inherently fascinating. And as I said to Lance before our conversation, I know what it's like to to be broken and lost. Not that I can in any way compare my life experience by any stretch of the imagination to that of his, but I do understand on some level and have great empathy for the difficulty of taking inventory of your actions, of your past, and, and attempting to rebuild and move forward. You know, Lance is all about moving forward. His podcast is called The Forward. And that's something that I really wanted to explore with him to see where he's at with all of that, how he's moving forward. And to be frank, I got to say that I found him to be really open and not defensive in the least. I mean, what did you think, David? Yeah, I thought, you know, I thought it was a really interesting uh, interview. And even just for me, myself being there, you know, um, He's uh, been been a big, I guess, inspiration for me from a very young age and someone I always kind of looked up to, to an extent. Um, so yeah, it was really, really interesting just being there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's fascinating just to be in that guy's presence and to be able to have a conversation with him. And again, look, opinions on this one are gonna differ and that's totally cool. This is by no means the definitive Lance interview. Uh, we only had an hour. And in that hour, we were able to explore what I think is some pretty interesting terrain. Uh, terrain, I really tried to mine in areas perhaps less discussed in the conversation around Lance or often overlooked in, uh, in what we see and what we read about with this guy. And of course, there were a million questions and topics that 
I wanted to get into with him that we just didn't have time to explore. So it, it kind of is is what it is. But what did you what did you think? Did you think we you know we got some good stuff, right? Oh yeah, for sure. And I think also you know um, myself as a as an amateur athlete, I was just really intrigued and curious, you know, to be around this guy who you know, has such an incredible mindset and has, you know, kind of win at all costs. And just to see that intensity, it was just, um, just really interesting. Mm-hmm. And, and what do you do with that win at all costs mentality when, uh, when now you're faced with rebuilding your life and you're no longer a professional athlete and you're aging up and, you know, what is he trying to achieve with the podcast and how is he moving forward? And I think those are all really interesting territories to explore with him. And I did my best to do that. For sure. And I think, you know, like you, you, you rightly said, um, I think, you know, from all the different guests that you've had on the podcast, um, like we, we can all learn from, from people, you know, whether they've done, you know, whatever they've done in their life. And that was one of my biggest takeaways from this was, um, was, was, was that. We're brought to you today by Momentus. Over the last 16 years, I can safely say that I have tried almost every single plant-based protein out there. And I can tell you that most of them are highly processed with tons of additives and or they taste terrible, they're not third-party tested, or simply just don't hit the nutritional bullseye with a legit science-supported formula with the appropriate amino acid profile that promotes optimal nutrient absorption, which is all just a long way of saying how enthusiastic I was to be introduced to Momentus's 100% plant-based protein, which solves for all of the above and then some with a precise blend of pea and rice proteins, which yields a complete amino acid profile, tastes great, and has become my go-to to to ensure my body is supplied with energy for proper recovery and function. Momentous products are simply the best in the industry, which is why they're used by over 90% of NFL teams, by Olympians, Tour de France champs, and world-class athletes across every sport. With all the BS in the supplement world, I trust Momentous's industry-leading quality standards and quality. Try Momentous for yourself by going to livemomentous.com slash richroll for 20% off plant-based protein and all of their top-of-the-line products. That's L-I-V-E-M-O-M-E-N-T-O-U-S dot com slash richroll for 20% off. We're brought to you today by On. I am a total gearhead. I love researching the latest technology for the sports I enjoy. And I've learned that people often overlook apparel. But what you wear isn't just clothes. It is, without a doubt, technology. Technology that can make or break a performance. And I can tell you, after spending two full days meeting with the apparel wizards at On Labs in Zurich, that On is innovating in this space like no other with next-gen premium fabrics and just this heightened level of sophistication and precision and testing and development and intentionality previously unheard of that puts them just miles beyond the competition. I've been rocking On's high-performance running apparel, including the long tees, the weather jackets, even the climate jacket, all super lightweight, tailor fit, built to move, and just gorgeous to get you out and get it done in fleet foot comfort, no matter the weather. I'm super proud to be a brand partner with this impressive team 
from increasing product sustainability to improved energy return and impact protection, truly Swiss innovation at its finest. To get you moving, On is offering an exclusive 10% discount. To redeem, head over to on.com slash richroll and use code richroll10 at checkout. We're brought to you today by Birch. If you're serious about optimizing your sleep, listen up. I've spent countless hours researching and testing various methods to improve my nightly shut-eye, and I can confidently say that it all starts with a good foundation. And if your bed is old, if it's uncomfortable, lumpy, then your sleep inevitably is going to be impacted. So it's important to invest in a quality mattress, one that's insanely comfortable, that's organic, sustainably made, and that, my friends, is a birch mattress. Fair Trade and Rainforest Alliance certified with the finest quality organic natural materials like organic fair trade cotton. Birch mattresses are made with none of the toxic chemicals and off-gassing produced by most major brands. Kind of important not to be breathing that for a third of your life, I'd say. Plus, it's super luxurious. I've been sleeping on birch for about five years. And I'd say it's the perfect ratio of soft to supportive And the craftsmanship is just next level. I've got one in every room of my house. I love it. Pretty sure you will too. And right now, Birch is giving 20% off all mattresses and two free EcoRest pillows at birchliving.com slash richroll. That's 20% off and two free EcoRest pillows. Sleep better with Birch. Okay, Lance, this happened. We actually did it. We've got a conversation with him. I think it's pretty cool. Like I said, uh, you know, go into it with an open mind, you guys. There's a lot to learn from somebody who has experienced life uh, in all its forms on such a massive scale. And we explore all kinds of different things with him. We talk about certain things that I think get eclipsed in the typical conversation around Lance, his mindset and the prep and training for Tour de France, uh, you know, all the Tour de France's that he competed in beyond the doping conversation. You know, what was he doing that others were not? And what can we learn from that? Of course, we track his iconic rise and fall and comeback in the world of cycling and how he's moving forward now. Uh, we talk about uh, coming back from being public enemy number one and and how he's grappling with um, the emotions that swirl around that with that get sort of packed into rebuilding your life. And we specifically hone in on his anger issues, which I think is super interesting. We talk about therapy, living with his story, dealing with the public reaction. And then we get into the differences between training as a professional cyclist versus his experience participating in Ironmans and then as an ultra runner. In other words, what it's like now as he ages and his relationship to his inherent competitiveness has to be sort of metered to, uh, you know, encapsulate his, you know, the fact that he's getting older and that he's not, uh, that he's not a professional athlete anymore. And how do you sort of contend with that and navigate that? Uh, we talk about how he's moving on his podcast stages and his podcast, the forward, his new company we do and, you know, what it's like to wake up every day uh, staring down the barrel of a $100 million lawsuit that this guy has hanging over his head. Uh, and then we get into, you know, his perspective on the future of fair sport in today's world of quickly advancing science, whether it's genetic engineering, CRISPR, all the things that are sort of coming online right now that that make um, 
the prospect of fair competition all the more complicated. Uh, one of the things that I asked him in the podcast was whether he has seen the new documentary Icarus uh, that was directed by Brian Fogel. Unfortunately, he had not seen it yet. I, I wish that he had because I think that would have made for a really compelling, interesting discussion about that movie and its implications. But Brian is coming on the podcast next week to talk about that documentary. And I think it'll make for a really great bookend to this podcast to kind of continue the conversation that we begin today with Lance. So that's it, man. You have any further uh, thoughts, David? No, I don't. I think it was, yeah, like I said, just an amazing experience. Um, Yeah. And I'm sure the listeners are really going to enjoy it. All right. So without further ado, I give you my conversation with Lance Armstrong. Yeah, cool. Well, thanks for doing this, man. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, it's great to be in your studio. And uh, you're definitely somebody who I've wanted to talk to for a long time. And like I said earlier, you know, our social circles overlap. We got lots of mutual yep. friends and and uh, it's just it's exciting for me to meet you and to talk to you. man. Uh-huh. I think the first thing I'm, I'm interested in, in, in hearing a little bit about is just this podcast journey that you've been on. You know, I started mine five years ago. It's been transformational mm-hmm. in my life. It's just it's enriched me in so many ways. It's been an incredible thing. And so I'm interested in you know what what motivated you to decide to get into this and and what the experience has been like for yeah. you um i mean five years wow i've been at it a year or so just over a year and, and it really was almost on a whim like my you know i think most people know the story the arc of the story mm-hmm. and we were we being me and my manager who i've been with for a long time who's Mm -hmm. who's stuck with me he you know he was trying to figure out a way for me to just do something and sort of as the cycling platform and sports platform went away the cancer platform went away you know what is a platform that we could we could find or, or uh or go and get and so he was on me for well over a year dude just just start a podcast and you know everybody you know, everybody's still, you know, who are your, you know, your, your true friends want to sit down and rap and just, just go do it. And it's like, yeah, I don't want to do it. I didn't want to start it actually. Cause I was afraid I'd just kind of get sick of it. And mm-hmm. a weekly show, as you know, is kind of a pain it's, in the butt. It's a lot of work. It's a lot man. of work. Yeah. And so I just started it on a whim and, and it's been, it's been great. It's been great to talk to people. It's been great to quote unquote work, uh-huh. you know, cause I, I try to not, I don't just have somebody on and sit down and go, okay, what am, what do you want to talk about? Yeah. Like I, I, I dig into their lives. I spend days thinking about their lives, reading about their lives. So th- reading about somebody else's life is, is, is been, you know, I've been done homework in a long, long time. Yeah, it, it is homework. It's I mean, homework. if you want to do it right and you really want to deliver, you know, something right. solid, you gotta, you gotta put the time in, yeah. man. And I think people don't really appreciate how much time it takes to do it well. Right. So, and you've been doing it well. And I, I, I feel like you really found your groove with stages. Like that's just, that's compelling, you know, right. to be so able that to go behind the, the scenes. Right. Yeah. The, the, the spinoff of the forward, which again was, was totally random last minute started as, um, one idea that didn't materialize and then morphed into another idea, which I didn't think would work. And then it, I just, you know, recruited an old friend who was a, who you just met at. This, yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. I mean, I'm at this event, I'm speaking yeah. and he's the dude who's like filming the whole thing. And he yeah. comes up to me after I talk, he's like, oh, I love your talk. Gives me a we do hat. He's yeah. like, you know, we should connect. I was like, wait, I know this guy. <laughs> you know? Right. 
And so I was, was like, morning, I just, I've been yeah. trying to connect with Lane because, like, you yeah. know, I'd, I'd connect, I'd, I'd email you, and then a couple of days would go by, and I'm like, I don't know if this is happening or not. Right. And he's like, I'll ping him, and I then know, you would just email that. me yeah, back. Right, so here we are. No, but that's cool, man. I mean, are there, you know, who, who are your, uh, who are your dream guests that you're trying to track down? Like, who would you really like to sit down and, and talk to? Uh, on the weekly show, God, who would I want to talk to? That's it. I mean, somebody asked you the other day about oh, Oprah, no. right? About who? Oprah. Oprah, yeah. <laughs> I'll talk to Oprah. She'll be, uh, she, yeah. she owes me. She'll come on the show. Uh, who was it? And somebody asked me the other day and I didn't have a great answer. Um, like, I don't, did you read John Ronson's book? Mm-hmm. So, uh, he, he wrote this amazing book called, uh, so you've been publicly shamed. I think that's the title of it. And it's kind of about, Maybe. you know, what happens when somebody missteps and then the internet piles on and then yeah. lives get wrecked in the wake of that. And people just kind of move on. It's a, it's a, it's a cultural phenomenon that I think we're seeing more and more of. Right. Um, it's, you know, something that you live through and, and, you know, yeah. have a unique perspective on, but I think in the context of, you know, of that and, and, you know, what I said in, in my email to you, like I'm, I'm interested in, in, how you move forward from right. something like that. And as somebody who's, you know, faced adversity in my own life and, and kind of weathered, you know, certain storms, not on the level that you've, you've had to, of course, but, you know, how do you pick up the pieces and move forward? Right. And, and, you know, obviously that's the name of your podcast right. and that's kind of the theme of, you know, how you're trying to live your life mm-hmm. and, and rebuild this. And I think in the context of the conversation that surrounds you, um, what gets eclipsed are all these other qualities that made you successful because the doping thing looms so large that we don't get to talk about these other aspects of right. your career. And, you know, you're a kid who at 15, you're out there mixing it up with Mark Allen and, and Mike Pig, like, you know, just basically this raw talent who, you know, took his talent and fueled it with mindset and extreme preparation and focus that no one had ever seen, you know, in your sport um, that took you to a certain height. And so I'm interested in the mindset piece mm-hmm. of that. You know, that that focus and, yeah, and that what all, you think it is about you that that allowed you to kind of, uh, you know, achieve that height. That all got lost. Rich, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the, the 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 reality is here's the truth. Right. And and we we and the problem in, with the whole story is that we still have we still don't have the truth. Right. Which is mm-hmm. sort of a fucked up thing to think about. So for all these years, we, we peddled, for lack of a better word, a narrative, a story. So the, the training was harder and, and more cutting edge than anybody else. The, the technology piece, the testing, the reconnaissance, the composition of the theme, all these things <clears throat> we said uh, were the reason that we were the best. <clears throat> there was one part of it we, said, we didn't talk about, mm-hmm. right? <clears throat> doesn't take away the fact that all those things happened and they all made the difference. The last part, unfortunately, the generation that we were in, everybody had to have that part, they, but they didn't have the first 10 parts. So literally overnight, it shifted to, and again, this is what you just talked about when the internet piles on and the media piles on and people pile on and commenters pile on. It shifted to, ah, it was all about that one thing. And all these 10 of the things, the training, the reconnaissance, the composition of the team, the tactics, that, that was a bunch of bullshit. Mm-hmm. He just gave us a bunch of bullshit for 15 years. So while this rise wasn't totally true, the fall isn't totally true either. Because what happened in the middle is you had an agency in USADA who came and said some very 
uh, intense, damaging, and untrue things. They said that this athlete, that the athlete at the center of it all is the biggest fraud in the history of sport. Think about that. They said that this athlete and his team ran the most sophisticated doping program in the history of the world. Think about that. But and there's the, truth in that, isn't there? No. No. And the worst is this athlete forced young, impressionable men to put deadly substances into their body. Think about that. So... I get it. I get that they, they said that. That was part of, as, as the report came out and as the takedown took place, they needed, a, they needed PR points, bullet points, talking points, and those were their points. Mm-hmm. And so I understand. I'm not, I, I know why Travis Tigert says those things, because he was about reinforcing his report. There's a lot of truth to the report. But those things, those bullet, those talking points are not true. So when you, when you measure up and, and not that it matters, right. But I, it's I understand. hard to recover from those things. Yeah. Well, when that, that's the primary narrative and you're somebody who's always, you know, you're very savvy with the media and you've, you, you've always done a very good job of trying to control the, mm-hmm. the narrative and the story. Right. And that was a situation that you couldn't control. No, you obviously. Can't. And, and I, and, and but, I, I, and I, for the rest of time, I won't be able to control right. it. Right. But, but that's the, the beauty of having your own podcast. You think the other teams had, had, had. Um, protocols that were as sophisticated as postal. Look, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to boil this down to you very, very simply and, 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 and straight out of the truth here in the postal case. And this is no, this, this is, and this is not off the record. These are public transcripts. The, the world will and should know um, in the postal case, we have to depose everybody. Mm-hmm. One of the depositions that we've taken is Tyler Hamilton. The line of questioning to Tyler Hamilton was, because Tyler, to back up a little bit, Tyler goes from Postal to CSC mm-hmm. to Phonak. You probably know enough. To, but yeah. your listeners and then know. he was so on like rock racing at the end Right, there, but that's right? a whole yeah. other. So the line of questioning goes like this. Was there more doping at Postal or CSC? And the answer was CSC. Was there more dope, doping at CSC or Phonak? The answer was Phonak. So our system, look, it, it, it doesn't matter. I mean, they were all, we were all dirty. The teams were all dirty. The team, they were all at, at the game. They were mm-hmm. all playing the game. But, and again, I feel silly talking about this because it really doesn't matter what I think or what I say. But the, we, I'm just telling you, we, we were not the most sophisticated Mm-hmm. system in but the But you're world. the bullseye. Yeah. You know? and, that's, and, and again, that goes back to me understanding why they, why they did what they did and why they said what they said. I'm not, I'm not, by the way, I wouldn't change a thing. That's something I, that I'm interested in hearing yeah, a little bit more about. I wouldn't change about. a thing. Like, I don't think you, it was. You, you, your life, I think I've heard you say like, you know, you, you're, you like your life better now. Yeah. So all things being equal, if you could go back, if you didn't make the comeback and all that kind of stuff, and you could have then continued to happens. live with this. Yeah. None of this, then I would have. And, and would you, tr- would you trade what's going on now for, for that life? No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change a thing. Because why? Because, and, 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 by the way, too, there's a lot of stops along this train here uh-huh. that, that could have been, none of this could have happened, some of this could have happened, or what happened happened could have happened. Right. And so the option of nobody ever finding out, it never being exposed, me continuing to, to just you know, live the life I was living, I, wouldn't, I, I don't want that. 
When you were in that position, though, did you like feel the weight of trying to no. carry that lie, no. or did you just compartmentalize it? Yeah, that was that was completely compartmentalized. I mean, that was the way the game was played at the time. And you know, some people don't like to hear that for a variety of reasons, but that that's that's the way me and my peers played the game. Mm-hmm. And so, and then the next option is is some sort of a hybrid option where you sought a. Uh, wants to work together and you know my deal is the same deal as everybody else my deal is the same as george and the same as levi and the same as tyler and the same same as everybody which is you know this six month off season suspension and come help us and but that wasn't the deal and so i didn't i didn't you know the message to me was loud and clear hey come out with your hands up we have you surrounded Mm -hmm. uh which that that never works well with me Mm -hmm. so i said fuck you right uh, but it, but, it, but it wasn't, it wasn't the same message, but it, it, it's neither here nor there. So I say, fuck you. And it's world war three total meltdown. Everything goes away. All the platforms, all the sponsors, the lawsuits pile up everything. And so that's, it's been five years. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think not back up. I don't think I know the way I operate as a man as a husband, as a father, as a friend, as a host of a podcast, as a teammate, as a businessman, as a anything is far better than it ever would have been. And so and, how did and you, that's, that's important. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. But the most important thing is I know, and I say this all the time, I know who my friends are. Whereas Go back six or seven years. Well, when the shit hits the fan and everyone, you know, flees or whatever. That's that's when I look back on and and, and I have great memories. But when I look back on the people that sort of populated that scene, you know, those weren't friends. And not that they were bad friends or they were mean or they were vindictive. They but they but they just weren't there for the ride and the better. And they're gone, which is a bummer. But the better thing or the, the real highlight is is there are people that, well, there are people that surprise you because it turns out they weren't friends. The shit hits the fan and you're public enemy number one. And all of a sudden there are people calling going, hey, let's go get a beer. Let's go play golf. Mm-hmm. Let's go for a bike ride. I'm like, well, where'd you come from? Mm-hmm. So they, did, they weren't interested in kissing ass, toasting the champagne, you know, riding around in the team car. They, were, they didn't care about that, but they were a friend. And so the journey from, from that place to where you are now requires like, you know, grappling with anger and resentment. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like as, as somebody who's like, you know, long time sober, they kind of say in recovery, like, uh, you know, justifiable anger is like your, your death now, like to hold on to right. that, even when you're right. Like, do you want to be happy or do you want to be right? Yep. And, you know, you're somebody who's fueled by, you know, in, in many ways in the past, like, you know, there is an anger component to what has fueled you. And, and that's, I've, I've noticed, you know, from the sidelines that slowly dissipate. Right. I mean, cause there was still a lot of that, you know, in the Oprah interview era. Right. right. And so how have you traversed that to kind of come to terms with that and, yeah. and begin to let go of it? I mean, look, I mean, I've done a few major interviews, uh, since it went down, obviously there's everybody points to the Oprah one, which they should. And Oprah had its reasons for happening. Oprah wasn't while it certainly appears that the timing wasn't right, 
it had to happen then. Mm-hmm. Um, and it didn't go well. And, and you're right. I was, I was, I was a, a certain guy at the time. So if, if you compare Oprah to Joe Rogan two-ish years ago to Howard Stern six mm-hmm. months ago, th- those are different. I mean, I got so many, like after Rogan and, and Stern, people were like, dude, why didn't you just say that on Oprah? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, we'd have been fine. Yeah. Like, but you was, weren't, you weren't that I guy. I wasn't though. ready. No. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and again, Oprah felt rushed and, and maybe on some senses it was, but that's a different person. And that's, that's it not It wouldn't have a, mattered if she wasn't rushed, I don't think, right? Like you were just, you, you were holding on to a certain perspective on the whole situation at that time. Yeah. And that was going to come out no yeah. matter who was interviewing you. And that's a whole process of, of me just living my life and living with this story and living with people's reaction and living with therapy, living with... What's the therapy all about? I'm well, just, just I mean, just you, no, no kind of special magic therapy, mm-hmm. just standard therapy that I do solo. I do with Anna. Anna does solo. We do with the kids. Just more just conversation on, uh, on our lives. And, you know, obviously with the children, we tried to, to help them navigate this as teenagers as best they could. Mm-hmm. But to be honest, I mean, the, the, the more important element is just has just come through and it's it is therapy in a sense that just in conversations with people whether they're in an airport over a cup of coffee or or even over email i mean just understanding where people were when all this went down and how it affected them so that that to me has been the most important part and so i just let go of like i mean you saw it for i got i get it Mm-hmm. I get it. I don't. I don't. I don't think they're necessarily honorable or 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 honest. But hey, I I don't care. I mean, I'm not that 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 is. I cannot change that. Right. And so, you know, almost almost all of it's gone away. Not all of it, but almost all of it. Well, you got one big thing looming over you right mm-hmm. now. You got the one big lawsuit. Is that is that is May the trial date for yeah. that? Sometime in May. Yeah. I mean, what's that like to wake up every day with that? I never know, think about million, it. You don't think about it. We're going to win the case. Yeah, <laughs> that's the Lance Armstrong mindset. Back to the mindset. We're we're going to win the case, and the and, the, the government cannot prove damages. Well, they, it's, it's an they, interesting they, thing. They admit yeah. this. So look, the case, the case is about one thing. It's not about who's a good guy, bad guy, nanny, nanny, boo, boo, none of that. It's about damages. And and they freely admit that they cannot prove that they were damaged. Yeah, there's liability and then there's damages. I mean, liability is, you know, looks like it's pretty clear, but how do you establish, I mean, is there anybody walking around who says, you know, I love going to the post office and waiting in a long line, yeah. but now I'm not, now I'm going to use UPS because of what happened. Like that's, that's a tough, I'm not going to send my Christmas bro. cards. <laughs> no, it, it, look, it, in the, in the, do you trial, never use the post office? No, I use them all the time. You do. And I said, I said yeah. it on Stern. Like I loved, I loved representing the postal service riding around in Europe with the United States, anything on your chest, standing on the, the top step on the Champs-Élysées with the national anthem with the United States post. I love that. Mm-hmm. Like I, I wasn't ashamed of that. I wasn't. I didn't think that was a goofy sponsor, like some people thought. I was proud of that. And so, but look, I mean, in Judge Cooper's courtroom, we had a summary judgment hearing, and 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 he pushed them. He said, "You you got to give me a number." And he said, "Your Honor, we don't have a number." Mm-hmm. And this is a public proceeding, so I'm not saying anything out of class here. 
And he pressed them three or four times. They said, we don't have a number. And Judge Cooper said, okay, well, I'll make it real easy. Name one client that you lost because of all this. Was that in summary judgment proceedings? Right. Yeah. In November. Uh-huh. And, he's, and they said, we, Your Honor, we, can't, we don't have one. But they still, it still uh, got by summary judgment, though. Yeah, but it's hard. It's, it, it's almost impossible to win on summary judgment. Yeah. The ju- judge, they don't want to be appealed. They don't want to get appealed. They don't want to get overturned. It, it just, it's easy for them to say, I'm just going to let the jury decide. Right. We're brought to you today by Seed. Gut health is all the rage. There's good reason for that. I've probably devoted, I don't know, at least a dozen episodes of this podcast to the many, many crucial ways the microbiome contributes to your overall well being or lack thereof, and to the many diet and lifestyle protocols we should all adopt to promote gut health from fermented food to fiber and everything in between, including, of course, the importance of supplementing with a probiotic. And the one that I have come to trust far beyond the shenanigans of the supplement world is Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. It's the most solid, science-based, and rigorously evidence-backed probiotic and prebiotic on the market. Formulated for optimal digestion, gut immune function, gut barrier integrity, skin health. In fact, my 16-year-old daughter has been using it to clear up a significant acne issue, and it's been wonderful, as well as many other systemic benefits. Like I said, I've been taking it daily, personally, for years. I love it. My body loves it. And right now, for our listener community, Seed is offering 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. Visit seed.com slash richroll and use the code richroll25 to redeem this offer. That's seed.com slash richroll or code RICHROLL25. We're brought to you today by recovery.com. I've been in recovery for a long time. It's not hyperbolic to say that I owe everything good in my life to sobriety. And it all began with treatment and experience that I had that quite literally saved my life. And in the many years since, I've in turn helped many suffering addicts and their loved ones find treatment. and. With that, I know all too well just how confusing and how overwhelming and how challenging it can be to find the right place and the right level of care, especially because unfortunately, not all treatment resources adhere to ethical practices. It's a real problem, a problem I'm now happy and proud to share has been solved by the people at recovery.com who created an online support portal designed to guide, to support and empower you to find the ideal level of care tailored to your personal needs. They've partnered with the best global behavioral health providers to cover the full spectrum of behavioral health disorders, including substance use disorders, depression, anxiety, eating disorders, gambling addictions, and more. Navigating their site is simple. Search by insurance coverage, location, treatment type, you name it. Plus, you can read reviews from former patients to help you decide. Whether you're a busy exec, a parent of a struggling teen, or battling addiction yourself, I feel you. I empathize with you. I really do. And they have treatment options for you. Life in recovery is wonderful, and recovery.com is your partner in starting that journey. When you or a loved one need help, go to recovery.com and take the first step towards recovery. To find the best treatment option for you or a loved one, again, go to recovery.com.
What is the meaning of life? What happens when we die? What is our purpose here? If like me, you ponder these delicious existential questions, I have got just the thing for you. It's called Soul Boom. It's a podcast hosted by everyone's favorite best friend and my friend, the deep thinking and deeply hilarious Rain Wilson, where he communes with intellectuals and entertainers, theologians and philosophers in intimate exchanges that tickle the mind, heart, and yes, the soul. Subscribe to Soul Boom on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. Let's get let's get back to the mindset piece. Um, you know, I'm interested in, in in kind of exploring that. You know, as an athlete myself, and a lot of athletes that listen to this show. You know, what is it that you think? Uh, back to the original question, really. Like, what is it that you think set you apart and allowed you to you know sort of succeed on the level that you did? Everything else aside, I mean, you know, one of the things you did is you kind of came into cycling and you, and you you reimagined the schedule first of all because everyone was doing all these races and you're like the only one that matters is Tour de France. I'm just going to focus on that. I'm going to yep. sidestep all this other stuff that was new and different at the time. And the ability to just kind of hone in, you know, with that singular you know ability to just lock in on one thing and and you know really. Um, set up your entire life yep. around that one goal, I think is interesting. And just, you know, what is it, you, you know, what is it you think when you look around at other athletes, triathletes, cyclists, whatever, um, that you think that you had that other people didn't have? Or I mean, and what the, can be learned from that? The scheduling part wasn't, I mean, Enderine did that too, although some of those years he did the mm -hmm. Tour of Italy, but he, you know, he figured out in his home country of Spain, the biggest bike race in the world and the only bike race was really the Tour, but that's the same in every country. So, Especially as Americans, we certainly don't know what the Vuelta is or the Giro or the Classic. They don't know any of that mm -hmm. shit. And, the, and we know the tour because of Greg LeMond. And so it was easy for me to just say, okay, I'm coming back from, from cancer. Nobody thinks that I'm going to amount to anything anyways. I mean, I could barely get it. I mean, I, I begged to be on the Postal Service team. And... You know, this all meets the comeback, meets uh, the team firing Johnny Welts, hiring Johan Bruniel, and and he, really, I mean, a lot of this had to do with his vision, um, his genius uh, that he was <clears throat> and still is. Um, but that was a, you know, for he and I, we, we formed a, a perfect partnership where I was willing to do the work. He was motivated to lay out the agenda and the plan. Um, <clears throat> of course, you know, I'm not going to discount or ignore the fact that Michele Ferrari was an amazing trainer, uh, the best in the business, um, and probably still is to this day. Um, so the way that all came together, the athlete, my willingness to work hard, the training, and then Johan's vision of how we were going to, uh, how we were going to do this. And he truly believed it. Like mm -hmm. he, and all that mixed in with this sort of fuck you attitude, because, you know, certainly at that time, the fact that we called 20 teams and 19 of them just literally hung up within five seconds. Mm -hmm. I mean, the chip on my shoulder back in, in 98, 99 was tremendous. And so that worked. And, and I think a lot of athletes use that as, 
I know a lot of athletes use that as motivation. And even if there's not a real reason to have a chip, they'll go make one up. I'd make them up. Right. Yeah. I remember you said on Rogan that you used to concoct stories about oh, yeah. <laughs> competitors, you, that? you, you know, that quote? and what then a, carry that out of the race yeah. into the real world and get yourself yeah. into a bunch of trouble. Yeah. It turns out they're great guys. It's not a, ultimately <laughs> it's not a sustainable fuel source though. Right. Is it? And like now you have to find a new, you know, a new motivation to get out on the bike and yep. do what you do and, and, you know, a different, you know, a different set of ground rules for mm -hmm. that. So, you know, what does that look like? I mean, I don't compete. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, if you I, could, you would though. I can't, but I can. I you can, can compete, of course. What is, so I you can, can compete. I can, I can what is compete the in anything but, but cycling? Oh, you can. Oh, so that's been lifted right on. Well, the, I didn't the, know that. The, the, you know, the, the fine print says that after four years, an athlete given a lifetime ban that after four years they can compete. It's a little bit limited. I couldn't go do uh -huh. Kona. Couldn't do. Anyways, there's a bunch. There's of, certain know. races you can, and yeah, right, right, right. But like, I like last spring, I started riding a lot, and I got back into riding for a couple of reasons. But I started riding a lot, and I started feeling fit, and I was like, oh, I'll go do some of these gravel races. They're all in sanctions. A bunch of cool people do them. They're hard, and I'd get in these races with these young kids. Forty, I'd be forty. I was forty-five at the time. I'd get in a race with a twenty-five-year-old pro. Uh -huh. And, you know, next thing I know, there's two guys left and it's me and him. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, yeah, of course I'm here because I'm me. I'm supposed to be here. But the 25-year-old pro lives and breathes and is obsessed with cycling and he eats perfectly and he trains perfectly and he rests a lot. At the, and me being me, who just kind of rides for fun, gets in that situation. So my head says, of course I'm here. But then all of a sudden the body the warning lights start coming on. Right. But you still have the, you still have some semblance of the win at all costs mentality yeah, that's got to percolate up. But for me, it's either just ride for fun, ride to stay fit, ride to be with your friends and not compete, or you're all in. You live like a monk. You, right. you completely dedicate all of your, you know, every aspect of your life for a goal. And I don't want to do that anymore. Mm -hmm. I don't. And that's. So you have to make peace with the fact that you're, you're going to get your ass kicked here and there by these young kids. Yeah. And yeah. That's okay. And that's where I, I, I had, had, you know, I did four or five of them. And after like the fifth one, I was like, you know, I'm sick of <laughs> like the warning lights. It's like, dude, just chill out. Mm -hmm. Like your summer's coming up, go to Aspen, just ride with your friends. Mm -hmm. And if you're alone, if you, if you need to suffer, just go a little harder. But that's, that's a, that's a maturity. That's an evolution, yeah. I think, you know, and as you inch up, what are you? 47, 46, now? 46. 46. Yeah. So as you inch towards 50, you know, how do you, you know, and you, and you know that you can't, you're not going to be able to be, you know, at that level that you're used to being at, like being at okay 50, with that. The only look, if somebody waved a magic wand and said, okay, you can, at 50, you can do Kona. You can go race Kona. Uh-huh. You go back in the cave. Yeah. Well, I, I, I don't know if I, I don't know if I would or wouldn't, but you, at that point, you wouldn't, you are not competing for the victory. Mm -hmm. You just, I don't care who you are. You're not. I mean, unless everybody else crashed But I could see or, you thinking like, I'm going to, I'm going to give this everything and see what I could do. But, Cause but that's the one competing. thing that you haven't been able to do. But then you're, then you're, then you're, there's a different type of result. I mean, you could say, oh, as a 50 year old, could you be top 10? Like that's, that's like winning. Yeah. So you, could you set that as the bar? Yeah. But 
at 46 or I had this conversation with Andrew Messick the other day and we, we were talking about a lot of things. And I said, you know what? I'm glad I didn't go to Kona in 2012. I would have been lit up. I'd have been crawling down the road. You think so? Yeah. Why? Cause it would have, because it took me, I wouldn't, the nutrition hydration, I wouldn't have had dialed. I would have the pacing. It just that, that event in my, my sense that it, is that that event takes a lot of experience mm-hmm. and it took me a long time, seemingly a long time just to figure out halves, but the fulls are, it's, well, a, you know, they're, I mean, they're almost not even comparable. Right. It's a completely so I would have, thing. I would have completely screwed it up and <clears throat> I just, I told him, I was like, thank you. Yeah. Well, when you listen to Mark Allen, who I know you just had on your show and I've, I've had him on my show as well, you know, how long it took him to master that. And even McCormick, you know, with all his brash, brashness and talent, you know, how many years it took him to conquer that as yeah. well. So, yeah. And then, then, you know, that, then you get into 40 and then you're just getting farther and farther away yeah. from, from that, ma- <laughs> that magic. It doesn't, yes, you're getting experience, uh-huh. but by the way, you're becoming an old man. And so. What about the difference between... Did you swim this morning, by the way? I did, man. Where were you? I know I had kid drop off and I was trying to manage... Like I do... I'm a morning person and Anna is an evening person. Uh So I get the kids up and start to get get them fed and get get their day going. And then she likes to sleep in. So Mm -hmm. she sleeps in a little bit and then we both get up or she gets up and then we take them to school. So... But then I, then having said that, I'm the person that's, you know, boots up at nine o'clock and she's stays up till midnight. Yeah. So I couldn't figure out how to make it all work. Well, yeah. you also said you, you were going to do the group ride at eight 30 and the swim practice started at like seven 15 and it's out. Well, I was gonna get, so I was like, there's no way he's going to get out early. I don't swim the yeah. whole time. I, I my, my, when I'm first back in the pool, my, I swim 2000. Yeah. So I can, I can, I would have been out of there by eight. Ah. Uh, Rip's pretty fit, man. He was looking good. Rip's always right. fit. You know, <laughs> he's a freak. He's a freak. I know. Um, but I'm interested in 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 the differences that that you've experienced between you know cycling, which is a team sport, mm. and then moving into you know triathlon, which was your original sport anyway. You know, the individual aspect of that, and then kind of what it's been like to dip your toe in the water of the ultras and the ultra running and the mm. Leadvilles and, and, you know, wh- what kind of, you know, how did that impact your preparation? Um, you know, your mindset throughout those races, yeah. like what are the differences between those two worlds? I mean, when I was running a couple of years ago, it was, it wasn't structure. You know, all of those cycling had structure. Triathlon in 2012 had structure. After that, you know, after the reason decision came out and, and I wasn't allowed to compete, I mean, there's just no structure. I don't mm-hmm. have a coach. I don't, I mean, in those days and in those years, I knew exactly what I was going to do every day for a week. And then I'd get a new program and then it would just, and then we would adjust or you would test. And, and so it was way, way more scientific. And since then, it's, I literally wake up, check the weather. Or maybe arrange it the night before with some buddies. Hey, you want to run? Or I mean, it's so casual, right? But and with that too, those years that I was, or that year that I was running, I was just my program. If there was one, was I just kind of followed what everybody else was doing. So if these fast guys in town were out doing a workout, I would attempt to sit in on the workout, right? Mm-hmm. And and that would be my structure. But 
and they were way faster than me, way lighter than me, and ended up getting injured. Running's. You got a little injured with that, right, recently? You're back into it? Well, I, I'm starting to run a little more now, but I got, yeah, I just, the, my both of my psoases just uh-huh. gave out. Right. Which is an important, turns out it's a really important muscle for running. <laughs> I mean, if you can't, <laughs> yeah. your first psoas is no. shut down. Well, also, as you get old, I'm about to turn 51. Like, you get, you have to start paying so much more attention, all that annoying stuff that you don't really want to do, the yeah. foam rolling and all the rehabbing kind of things. Yeah. And you get those niggles much more easily than yeah. you used to. But, you know, you go out and you ride with these young guys, Lawson Craddock or whoever, mm-hmm. you know, like fast, young pros. Um, if you, you know, what would it look like if you were to, you know, in an alternative universe, if you were to start coaching some young some young athletes, whether triathletes or cyclists, like what do you see That's people doing? <laughs> Why? That's a, because I, don't, I, I, never, I, I never coached myself. How am I going to? I just listened to, to yeah, but here's the thing. And this goes back to the original question, which is what gets eclipsed in the conversation about you is that you have this, you're sitting on top of an unbelievable amount of experience. Right. Mm. And so, you know, how, you know, what is it about that experience that, that we know less about, you know, that could be helpful to young athletes. Like, you know, when you're out with these guys, like, and you're looking at them and you're like, why is he doing that? He should be doing this. Right. You know? Yeah. But it's more, I mean, I think, I mean, uh, look, let's just use Lawson as an example, right? Because I, I, he does live here in Austin, and he is on the world tour, and 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 I do train with him. And so last winter, he's he's he says, "You want to go for a ride?" I said, "Sure." And I said, "How long are we going?" He's like, six hours." I said, <laughs> "Right, okay." I said, "Well, what do you do?" He's like, "Oh, I have three one hour and fifteen minute intervals at two ninety mm-hmm. watts," and he's not a big guy. And I said, <laughs> for those that are listening that don't know, that's now, the, <laughs> I said, what, what did you just say? I said, and it, mind you, it's November. Uh-huh. I was eating fucking apple cobbler and bluebell ice cream in November and drinking beer and staying up late. And I'm like, wait, what did you just say? You're mm-hmm. telling me you're going to do three hours and 45 minutes of intervals in November on a six hour ride? And he says, yeah. I said, okay. So I go on the ride and, and at my age and at my level, all I can do is sit on the wheel, but I can stay on the wheel, but I'm sitting back. So the, to your point, I'm sitting there going, what the fuck is this kid doing? This is the dumbest thing I, I, I've ever seen. I mean, to be that early in the year and like hammering that hard. Yep. And there was a lot more to it, which I won't bore the listener with. But I said, who is, who told you to do this? And he says, oh, JV's doing the training, Jonathan Vodders. I said, well figures i mean that that is so ill-advised and just nobody can tolerate that because what like what's the lesson like what is it that you're trying to communicate about well, I, preparation i think you like have you to, gotta you gotta like I mean, play the not long to game say that nobody couldn't handle maybe there is some person out there that maybe eddie Merckx could have done that <clears throat> lawson craddock can't do that and it almost felt like an experiment. And, and I just thought it was, uh, and I told, I tell Lawson this and I would tell JV this, that's a, that's not a fair experiment. This is a kid who's, he doesn't have that engine. And what do you, what do you, th- th- what makes you think that's going to work? And fast forward, it destroyed him. I mean, he, 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 this kid was on the sideline the entire season. And if he wasn't on the sideline, he was the first guy getting dropped. So 
to your point, I mean, for me, I don't want to sit here and go, okay, no, not three hours and 45 minutes of intervals. How about we do five, 10 or make up? That's not my thing, but I can mm -hmm. look at it from my own experience and go, eh, I don't think that's a good idea. Checking that it's November, checking that I know the athlete, checking that, you know, a lot of other boxes and, and, and say, no, you gotta, you gotta find a better option here. Mm -hmm. Or you can, then you get into the technical parts of cycling or strategy. I mean, those things I know, but I mean, as far as, you know, creating a training plan, I just, I was a listener, you know, I, I always did all the way from swimming age group, swimming at 12 years old, all the way through. I just said, okay, what are we doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but at some point you you must be taking more and more ownership of what you know works for you, right? The only owner, the only in the sense that I gave a lot of feedback, and so we were very the relationship between Johan and myself and Ferrari and myself was there was constant communication there. So if something if I felt like something wasn't working or like any athlete with any training plan, you're tired, you need a little more recovery, you have a slight injury, like that has to be right. put on the table. And there's, doesn't do anybody any good hiding that or being ashamed to talk about that. Fuck it, just say, you know what? I'm, I'm destroyed. This is what Lawson Craddock should have done. Mm -hmm. he, and he, he didn't, he right. just kept running the plan and digging a hole for himself. Just tap out for a little bit. Right. So the message underneath that is you got to know when to when to let off the gas and that yeah. perhaps too many people are going too hard too often. I mean, I, I think most people go yeah. too hard. It's hard. It's a different kind of discipline yeah. to know when to hold back. And if you talk right? about tries, I mean, the try world is, you, you know this, I mean, the, the makeup of that athlete that that's the way they're wired at least the, for a few years and it, inevitably they all burn out or get injured or just say okay i've had enough right um but they're wired to just go hard and commit their life to this and you know that might work for some but i i don't know that that works for most well in the in the amateur context it's that's what it's, i'm talking about it's yeah it's unbelievably expensive mm -hmm. and and uh and unbelievably time consuming yep. so it doesn't lend itself to longevity yeah and in the pros you know there's so few people who can even make a living doing this right. you know it's crazy and the amount of energy and time and discipline and focus that goes into trying to compete at the highest level of Ironman, yeah. it's unbelievable. Like, unless you're in the top percentile of those athletes, like, I don't know how these guys get by. And it's a systemic, you know, issue that needs to get addressed and fixed somehow, especially yeah. when you have this organization that's just making so much money. I know, but that's, uh, the sport is not about the tip of the spear. Mm -hmm. The sport's no, about the middle of the true. back. Yeah. That's, that's, that's why when we did the stages, when we did stages for Kona, and I had Mark Allen on and Dave Scott on, you know, while you have to talk to them about 1989 and the Iron War and what that was like, I've watched enough interviews that Bob Babbitt did with them to know what, they, that, what mm -hmm. they're going to say. So you got to cover it in case your listener hasn't watched those interviews. But I'm way more interested in saying, okay, Mark, you know, there's 2,000 people in Kona today that are about to do a full Ironman in four days. Like what can like right. speak to the middle of the pack? Right. I mean, Jan Ferdano, he knows what he's going to do. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. know, uh, 
Miranda Carefree knows what they all they got it. So don't let's not talk to them. But and, you know, you, when you watch the NBC coverage, when it comes on, you know, well, it's all about those special stories. Right. And that's because the bread the, and butter of the whole yeah. thing. Yeah. So that's all. I mean, Messick and Iron Man. I mean, that's. I think they try to be sensitive to the pros and prize money and that part of the sport. But by the way, I mean, with their ownership structure now, that 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 ownership is not at all about who's no, going to win no. this weekend. I mean, it's it's about growing the business, building out more events, numbers, numbers, numbers. Mm. Yeah. Well, you know, and cycling <laughs> has its own problems as well. Mm. I mean, that's just a shit show in so many ways. I mean, yeah, it was know, easy to take over. If you, it turns out it's easy to dominate a bunch of stupid people. <laughs> Every, I mean, it well, really, let's be honest. I mean, it really. So explain that. Well, the, the way, and I don't mean to, I'm not trying to sound like a jerk or say people, but the way Johan and I came in, this was a sport that was easy to take over. They, they were stuck in their ways. They were, we were coming in the late nineties. They were, they were still, you know, treating the sport like it was the early eighties. You know, I mean, it could be, you know, the mentality towards, um, well, I mean, the, the biggest barrier that, that probably still exists today is their attitude towards women. You could never have a woman's one year. You could never have your wife at the race. You could never have her visit. I mean, it, it mm. was it was totally old school. So that's I didn't, that's even, a, I didn't even know that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think, and I that seems to have changed. But um, just the ability to, or the 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 willingness to explore other things, whether it's technology or wind tunnel or i mean when we first went i mean it sounds so obvious to go do reconnaissance you have 10 major climbs in the tour go spend five days and get to just even though if you think you know them go there alone when there's not a million people on the on the hillside and just go do it it was crazy we, the first year we went in 1999 we didn't see anybody in 2000 we didn't see anybody but they started to figure out that we were going in 2001. So none of these riders were going off nope. and, and riding, you know, riding the course. Ahead no, of, time to of course figure not. Out. Yeah. And so then we took it from seeing the mountains to seeing all the time trials. And then after five or six years, they're all Everybody's there. Everybody's doing it. <laughs> and so right. that, that is so, I, I mean, I'm, I'm embarrassed to even say it. It's so obvious. You are listening to this podcast because you care about improving your health and your well-being. But this quest is incomplete if you have yet to add my friend Dr. Rangan Chatterjee's Feel Better, Live More podcast into your listening quiver. An RRP favorite and someone I'm personally quick to call when I'm in need of good advice. From nutrition to mindset, fitness, and relationships, each episode is packed with the tools you need to become the architect of your health. Subscribe to Feel Better, Live More, available wherever you get your podcasts and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. There are certain rare people who have a powerful voice and know how to use it. My friend Amanda Decadene is one such human. The podcast is called The Conversation because it is the conversation. A groundbreaking series of raw and honest exchanges on the issues that matter most. 
mental health, sex, politics, ambition, gender roles, and more. Listen to The Conversation wherever you get your podcasts and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. There is so much health information out there. It can feel overwhelming and leave even the most well-intentioned confused about what's what and who to trust. Well, the first person that I call when I'm seeking clarity is my friend and nutrition expert, Simon Hill, host of the fantastic podcast, The Proof. Each week, Simon matches wits with brilliant scientists, translating their evidence-based insights into actionable tools for better well-being. Subscribe to The Proof, available wherever you get your podcasts, and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. Have you uh, have you seen the Icarus documentary? I haven't. Oh, you haven't but seen I've, it. Yet? But I've been asked about five thousand times if I've seen it. Right. And I only haven't. I have you just, really... you have a, do you have a resistance to watching? No, no, it? not at all. I'd love to see it. But I don't watch TV at home. I watch movies. Document. I love, love, love documentaries. But I only watch them when I travel. And so I can. In the in my you know dumb self, the only way I know how to download anything is through itunes uh-huh you don't have netflix i have netflix at home but but you can't apparently and this is what i'm told and i think it's right you can't download a movie from netflix on your computer and all i have no is you a can't download you, you stream it if you have you can stream it anywhere on your laptop or whatever on a plane oh not on a plane right the internet's not strong enough on a plane no so, so I, you, you so, mean you're so all, you only watch them on planes. When, when i'm forced yeah. to sit in a seat for three hours right that's how i pass the time so you can download it to a mobile device, your phone or your iPad. I don't have an iPad, a phone. I don't want to watch it on my phone. But anyways, I'm, I'd love to see it. I met with with Fogel years ago when he was when the when the movie was the original movie. You know where he was right, just the the original conceit of the movie. Right, yeah, right, yeah. And I'm like, okay, right. <laughs> Did he, did he interview you on camera for that? Mm-mm. Oh, he didn't. Uh-huh. Yeah, I had him on the podcast recently. I haven't published that interview yet, but it was, I mean, you should definitely watch it. Sure. It's incredibly fascinating and it, it, will, it will just change in color your perception of sport and clean sport, not just in cycling, mm-hmm. but, you know, sport wide. And it, when you, when you, it, he really is able to tap into the, profundity of this problem in a massive way and and when you you realize the level at which you know these practices are being uh perpetrated it's 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 shocking and it's you know as a kid you know i grew up i just there was nothing i loved more than the olympics like that was just the greatest thing ever and you know, I swam at Stanford and had i shown up i was like basically a walk-on you know but had i shown up and I found out, you know, all my heroes on that team, there was some kind of program going on. You know, like, I don't know what I would have done. You know, I probably would have done. Who knows? You know, I don't know. But, mm-hmm. but, you know, I can't shake thinking about this movie and the extent. To, I mean, basically, these guys are saying, like, nobody's won an Olympic medal is clean. You know, like, I don't know whether that's true or not. I don't either. Um, but with these these people who are sort of sitting atop this world of doping and anti-doping, to hear them say that, it's it, it really, 
you know, makes you think, it makes you question the future of sport and what can be done to create an even playing field, whether that's even possible, especially with all the crazy technological advances and CRISPR Gen- genetic and genetics and everything that's going on. Like Forget it's it going to get fucking crazy, you know, <laughs> and I don't know what that's going to look right. like. And I'm, I think still about, waiting. I'm still just trying to get Eclipse from being the most sophisticated doping program in the history of the world. Well, yeah, I, I think you're going to live with that for a while, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. Um, you know, that is what it is. But, you know, I think when you watch this <laughs> I movie, I don't think that's it, true. It, it, well, it, it, it pulls covers and, and makes you realize that this is a, a, a problem that extends much more broadly beyond mm-hmm. cycling, you know, that, that sort of takes the brunt of it. And when you look at the way that certain sports are treated versus the NFL and the NBA and, and how we kind of, you know, take a blind eye to those mm-hmm. other sports and, and the vested interests that are at play there, like, you know, I don't know, I don't know how to even begin to unpack and address the larger problem. Mm. Yeah. I don't either. I don't know. Well, you should watch the movie. <laughs> I will. No, I will. What I will. It, you know? How do you how do you communicate with your kids about all this? I mean, I know that's an ongoing conversation. You've got a son who's like a big time football player right now. Um, you know, this has to be something that comes up all the time that they're dealing with, especially the younger kids as they're growing older. Yeah. Um, you know. So there's there are there 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 are two waves of kids. There's the older ones who are high schoolers, two sophomores, and then a senior, and then the younger ones who are first and third grade. So obviously, totally different conversations, uh, you know, experience or you know experiences with or interactions with their classmates. Um, but I have to say, you know, my older ones lived through it at a really key point in their life when it was, you know, they understood and they could, you know, either hear about it in the hallway or hear about it on social media or, or however. And they really, and this is, I think it's a testament to Austin and to the schools here, to the counselors, to the teachers, to their friends, to their classmates. We had very little, um, drama for lack of a better Mm -hmm. word with the, with the older kids. And, and at this point, it's never a conversation because I've been so honest with them and so transparent with them. And it's a, it's an open door policy that if they ever do have a question, mm-hmm. let's talk about it. It's just not, it's just not an issue anymore. And, but then that gets you to my younger kids who, of course, when this went down, had no idea they were, they didn't even walk. Mm-hmm. So then, you know, the society that we live in now, which everything sits out there and is forever, whether it's Oprah or Tyler Hamilton's book or a New York Times article or what or this podcast, it sits there forever. So while my older kids can obviously go tap into that, they probably won't because they know they know everything pretty much. The younger ones are going to grow into it. And so then they're going to they're going to potentially, you know, watch a documentary or read a book or watch Oprah or listen to this podcast. And then, and then, you know, then it's a whole nother wave of conversations. Mm -hmm. So, but I, but you know what? I'm fine with that. Yeah. I mean, that's not, there'll never be a time and place where I say, nope, I'm not talking about it anymore. With with my children. Yeah. You have to, you have to keep, continue that I oh, would yeah. imagine um what would happen if 
you know, Luke came home and said, you know, they're doing steroids or, you know, I'm told I should be doing this right. or, or maybe I did do it yep. or, you know, have you thought about that? Have you had that conversation with him? You know, it's interesting because it, it, <clears throat> well, I think that this fight, this, this anti-doping fight is, you know, I get asked all the time, should we just legalize everything? And my answer is always like, no, you can't, you can't do that. That's, that's crazy. Um, but they have a lot of, so you have, so they had, so they need to exist. These agencies need to exist, but when they exist, you know, they have a lot of messaging that really, that I don't know that, I mean, between USADA and Jeff Nowitzki, who was the federal investigator who took down bonds, took down Marion Jones, took me down, you know, his main thing that he always, these, these high schoolers, these steroids in high school, steroids in high school, my son plays for Westlake High School. He's a senior. They're undefeated. They have, they have the, they've had 10 NFL players come out of that school. They've won multiple state championships. They're ranked third in the state today. And Remember, this is Texas football. This is Texas. This is, yeah. this is, this is Friday night. You want to talk about the tip on. of the spear? This <laughs> yeah. is, yeah. this is the tippiest tip that you can get tipped. So the, the war, yeah, the war is being waged here. And on, so, on that level. and let me tell you something. There is none of that. That's interesting. No, none of it. And if there was, I would know. And he's, I would assume he's got aspirations to play college no. ball. No, no, really? <laughs> no, no. Is he starting? He starts. Yeah. Wow. Tonight's our biggest. So why doesn't he, why doesn't he want to play? Why doesn't he, he want to play in college? He, because he, well, he gets letters and gets offers. He doesn't want to, he, he doesn't want to play at a, at a D2 school or a, a smaller mm-hmm. D1 school. He, I mean, if, if, look, if he was at the level where Florida and Alabama and University of Texas and, be different it'd be different but yeah. if he's getting you know i'm gonna make up some name and piss off some of your listeners you know southern kalamazoo you know tech he doesn't want to do that right where does he want to go to school he wants to go to alabama yeah he got accepted we, we toured we had a great tour he loved it but he don't he you know, he, he's not at the level where he could play ball there no yeah that's a whole different that's thing. a whole another yeah but it's interesting i mean i just it, so so to me it's like wait are but that's the way politicians operate. They have these things that they that they put out there to drive a little bit of hysteria, to drive their agenda. But is that really happening? Because I don't know. But no, you I'm know, telling you know. what's happening. So you're seeing it in, in his true Friday night lights. Yeah. And I'm not saying that there's not some kid in in Dallas or in Houston. It's got to be happening though, right? But I'm telling you, on the best football team or one of the best football teams in this state at the highest level. He's that's not, not seeing it. That isn't even remotely a conversation. Huh. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, you know, it's it, it's weird how it it penetrates amateur athletics too. You know, of you hear these stories about these amateurs at Ironman stuff like that. You know, it's like and cycling. It's crazy. You know, yeah, amateur cyclists um, where it's it's not their career, it's not their profession, and guys are getting caught doing this, man. What do you mean? What do you mean? All these anti-aging clinics and I mean, come on. Yeah. Do you? People are are competitive. Yeah, says the most competitive man on earth. No, but I mean, even even you know, age group triathletes, they don't want they want to they want to either win their age group or get a PR or 
And then that all fits or meets this whole, and you probably had a shit ton of people on the show talking about biohacking and, and whether it's diet, whether it's supplements, whether it's pharmaceuticals, whether it's some new technology. I mean, it's people. Yeah. And that, and that line becomes very gray of course. and murky. You know, what is that? You know, it's, if you, you know, I go to the doctor and but he's do like, we care? But do we care? Well, I think it's it's a it's a it's a spectrum, you know, yeah. when it's on the extreme. Yeah, I think we care. You know, what does it mean for a cyclist to get a cortisone injection versus an, F, an NFL player to get a cortisone injection? Well, don't we need another hour if you want to give <laughs> me sure. this is the, I read I read this morning that the new president of the UCI is going to completely ban corticosteroids, which is sort of a tricky way to say it. I mean, it's really cortisone when the the media loves saying corticosteroid because it has the word steroid but when in reality as you cortisone well know cortisone is a catabolic agent not an anabolic agent and so it, it's a very different thing when 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 the when the public hears corticosteroid they think anabolic steroids mm-hmm. but it's not an anabolic steroid it's an anti-inflammatory it's a catabolic agent not an anabolic agent so yeah uh, yeah. That I, well, we could we could bark up that tree yeah, forever. It's, it's you know? forever. So, you know, as as this incredibly competitive person, I, we kind of explored this a little bit already. But, you know, do you think that you're you you still have that in you or is that dissipated? Like, do you I mean, that's part of who you are. Right. So when you launch a podcast. Do you, you want to know apply that ma- right. mindset like, oh, I have to be, you know, in the top 10 in iTunes or it's, you know, I'm not going to settle for anything less. Like, do you apply that to everything that you're doing or have you, are, are you, have you chilled out? I think I've chilled on that. I, the, I'm curious, you probably do the same thing, but I'm curious weekly on how the public receives certain guests and the numbers that you get, how many downloads that you get, how many... Do you get caught up in checking that stuff? No, I don't. I don't. I don't ask. I get told. And if I don't get told, then I don't know. And and I, I, I prefer it that way. But that all sort of changed when we did stages because stages was last minute. I didn't know. I had very low expect. I didn't want to have any expectations on how it would do. But as it went from first week to second week to third week and the numbers just started to get crazy at that point i was like okay i don't i don't even know what to think i was i was i was shocked humbled honored and then and then it was then i got to this place where it's it was cool to see i mean it was for me personally you know to 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 generate that kind of interest does that feel redemptive? I mean, it, it's it's ironic. It's you know, it's ironic that the one person that the entire sport is banned from mentioning spur of the moment creates a brand, a channel, content that is now bigger than, or ended up being bigger than anything else the sport mm-hmm. was doing. That's a little ironic, mm-hmm. and. But but at the same time, old Lance would have been like, "Fuck these motherfuckers, let's go." 
this lens has to be like, yeah let's make this the biggest yeah thing. This, let's show everybody that you know i can the, dominate this yeah i have to be thoughtful with uh with it and yes the numbers are great and but you know what they could be down next year i don't i mean mm-hmm. that's my mentality has to be that 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 because i know this better than anybody not you know nothing lasts forever and so you know how i go about just building that show developing that show if we expand the show but there can't be a uh i can't be in a place where it's like haha told you so or fuck y'all or, <laughs> yeah I mean, that's not gonna work for you no i'm not and i'm not there i'm not it's like wow that's what i tell people i'm like damn so that's not in the you back get, of your mind no yeah. No. What do you think are the stones that you still have to overturn, like in terms of just emotional development? Like, what are the things that you still struggle with, that you battle with, you know, the demons that you know you need to kind of work through that are still kind of looming out there and trip you up? I mean, I don't, there are still things that get me aggravated, but mm-hmm. I mean, at this, dude, this process that I've lived through is, you know, I always gauge it based on like when I walk down the street or if I'm like last weekend, I went to ACL fest around thousands of people. You're walking through thousands or you're walking in an airport or you're walking in New York city. Like how are you walking? How are you feeling? Like, are you, when you see somebody, they look at you, do you, are you like, why are you, or how, like, what's, what's my confidence level? Mm-hmm. And it, confidence is different than arrogance. And man, the way I walk down the street now, is so unbelievably different. The, my confidence level today, if I walk down Fifth Avenue in New York City versus 10 years ago, even 15 years ago, where it was couldn't have been a bigger story. You can't even you can't even begin to compare those two. And it's, you, it's weird. And I and I and I, I'm not bragging. I'm just being trying to be trying to explain this and be honest about it. But it's it is fucking lovely. Mm-hmm. There's something about removing that dissonance between what you're saying and how you're behaving that kind of integrates, you know, the human spirit in a certain way that I think allows you to, to be that way, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think for me, that's been a big part of the journey. Um, you know, one of the, one of the kind of core principles of, of sobriety of recovery is, you know, not just owning your past and, and aligning your, you know, your actions with your words and all of that, but I'll give you an also, I'll give you an example. So we go do, and then we got to run because I got to go. Yeah. Me. I take this podcast to, to the race in Colorado and there was a whole lot of drama around it because they tried to ban me. They from didn't doing want that. you to do yeah, it. Was, this is crazy. But that, that was, they actually did me a favor when they did that. So I, I, I rent this Airbnb and I'm, um, and across and this is this cool part of Denver called Rhino where it's all breweries and, and cool restaurants and you know that's where all the cool kids hang out so the airbnb is right across the street from this uh uh brew pub so i'm waiting on my uber to take me down to the race and i'm with liz Kruitz, who's photographing me forever she's like oh you've been spotted <clears throat> i was like okay whatever long story short the uber pulls up not in front of the house but in front of the brewery mm-hmm. so we got across the street and it's starting to rain so we're about to get in the car and, and but there's still people out on the patio drinking and having a big old Sunday. And one of them goes, Hey Lance. And I said, what's up, man? And he goes, fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck. And he didn't stop. Uh-huh. And then there's like eight of them. And then they all start. 
fuck you, fuck you. It was wow. unbelievable. And I was like, I've never, that's never happened. It happens in social media. It happens, all, you know how it happens. Right. And I'm just like. In person to your face. I'm like, oh my God. And Liz was like, get in the car. Don't do anything. And I, and I was, I was like, okay. So I got in the car. And they're just, of course, while we're pulling off, they just keep, they're like, it was like a chant at that point. And I'm in the car and I said, okay, I have to do something. I can't, I can't just let this, I can't just let this go. So I called the bar. I said, let me talk to the manager. And the lady's like, what's this about? I was like, so I was like, so anyways, he gets on the phone. I explained to him everything that happened. I says, man, I'm really sorry. That's, that's super fucked up. I said, okay, here's the deal. Here's my credit card. Their whole tab is on me, but I, I want you to go out there and tell them that I picked up the beers and food and whatever they had. And I said, my love. And the guy's like, are you serious? I was like, yeah. So he goes out there. I mean, then he called me back later. He's like, okay, this is what happened. So the moral of the story is that, you know, 10 years ago, five years ago, two years ago, maybe even less, that would have been a fight, a physical fight. Mm -hmm. And it just me just going, you know what? Because it rocked me because it has never, that's the first time that's happened. But also getting there going, I have to, me being me has to do something. But my do something today was, you know what? I'm going to lean into this one. It's contrary action. Yeah. Do you think you could ever uh, get to a place where you can forgive the David Walsh's of the world? I mean, Walsh is a Walsh is a special one, and we'd need a, we'd need a whole another hour for him. Walsh is. I know David very very well, and David. This is going to sound weird, but David and I are very similar. I was a win at all cost guy. David is a win at all cost guy. He'll he'll tweak, he'll change, he'll manipulate, he'll lie, he'll deceive. So he, you know, he has it was it was he made it an industry. And fair play. He he's I think that's shifted for him. Um he wasn't much interested in in an apology. He was more interested in the lawsuit and getting paid and and he got that. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what he got. And so if that's what he wanted, he got it. But I also know David too, and, and, and I know this story way better than anybody else. So I'm, I'm very close, not so much with him, but I, I know him well enough that I feel close to him and I'm very close with Emma O'Reilly. So I see how he's, so somebody that he used as the pillar of this story to, <clears throat> to come after me, I, I've seen the way he's treated her and she's seen the way he's treated her. And I can tell you, it's not, it's not an honorable, mm -hmm. so I don't, I don't, I'm not uncomfortable with where I sit in the world with regards to him because the, the poise along the way, I know where they sit and you know, that's David. I mean, that's, that's God, I didn't even, you know. Right. But I think the, the bigger point I'm really getting at is, is in order to really be free, 
you gotta like release these resentments or whatever but these I lingering. But I don't have any. Are. I don't have any resentment towards him. And I'm not saying. And I'm not saying David per se. I'm just saying in general. You yeah. know what I mean? Like in my experience and and kind of what I've gone through. It's like even when you feel like you've been wronged and like this person and that person yeah. or whatever. It's like you're the one who's suffering. Yeah. You know, no, you're I, the one who's paying the price for that resentment that you're harboring. And if you can get to a place of like truly like letting go of that. Then, then you can walk down Fifth Avenue in Manhattan yeah. and, and you know be integrated. And in I would body. say, and I said this at the top of the show, there are still a few things, right? And the, the, the postal case being one. But almost all of those have been, and it's a process. I, I don't think anybody's, you know, goes on a ayahuasca trip or goes to counseling once or goes to AA and walks out and it's is like, done. okay, I'm right. good. I've forgiven everybody. No, We're man. cool. This is, this is, this it's is a your long, life. It's you a know? long hike. And so, you know, they're, they're getting shed. I'm not going to sit here and lie to you or anybody listening and said, okay, they're all gone. I'm not going to sit here and lie to you and say, it doesn't fucking make me livid and pissed off that Livestrong did what they did because it does. So yeah, it's, it, it's there, but Hey, I'm going to work through it. And I'm committed, and, and it's and if you, if you just said, I'm not going to work, or I'm not going to do the work, well then you then you have a problem, right? And so, but you know, Walsh 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 elicits no emotion in me. Travis Tiger elicits no emotion in me. I get it. I know exactly, and I'm good with that. And I'm me. I wake up as me every day, and I like waking up as me. And. It's not called forward for nothing. And so, yeah, there are a few more I got to pick off and, and make right. And they might, t- might happen next month. It might take three years. I don't, I don't know. But the key and is that you should, you know, this is that so long as I realize that, that, that that is a process and I am committed to making, to shedding that pretty powerful. It's a good place to end it, man. <laughs> yeah. 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 Thanks, man. Yeah. That Thank was you. great. Sorry. Cool. We got, I, mean, I know this is short for you, but no, sorry. I know. Yeah, man. I go, I, I don't all, go Rogan length, but I, you know, <laughs> we got, I, I an, go we got an all hands on deck meeting at noon. So I'll, yeah. I'll be the bad guy if I don't. All right. Yeah. Up. No problem, man. Thanks for your time. Uh, so you're easy to track down on the internet. <laughs> Yeah. At Lance Armstrong, we do sport.com, stages podcast, forward yeah. podcast. Yeah, it's all there. Yeah, right on, man. <laughs> I'm, Thanks, I'm not dude. very good about l- leveraging and promoting and pushing that stuff out, but there's some good ones out there if people are interested. Yeah, cool, man. Yeah. Thanks, dude. Thank you. Thanks, all right. Peace. Plants. All right, that happened. We did it. It's done. What'd you guys think? Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, again, I was really hoping that Lance had seen the documentary Icarus. It would have been great to be able to discuss that with him. But uh, as I pointed out at the outset, Brian Fogel, the director of that amazing documentary, is next week's guest. If you have not seen that documentary, please make a point of watching it. It's on Netflix uh, prior to next weekend. I think it will really help inform and uh, contextualize that conversation. It's a very powerful documentary and uh, and relevant to today's podcast as well. And I loved it. Really looking forward to sharing that one with you guys. Until then, please check out the show notes for this week's show on the episode page at richroll.com. Lots of links and resources to take your infotainment beyond the earbuds. Also have a full video version of this podcast up on YouTube. Go to youtube.com forward slash richroll and you can check that out and a couple other podcast episodes, recent episodes that we filmed. If you would like to support this show and my work, a couple ways to do that, 
share it with your friends and on social media. When you go to a cocktail party, ask people, what's your favorite podcast? That gives you an opportunity to tell them about this show. Uh, Leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Hit that subscribe button. Super important. Also, we have a Patreon account set up for people who would like to support my work financially. Thank you to everybody who has done that. means the world to me. In thanks uh, for all of you who are supporting me on that platform. I agreed to do a monthly Ask Me Anything AMA, video AMA for you guys. This week, we were supposed to do it, ran into all kinds of technical difficulties, uh, major snafus that derailed that whole adventure. Uh, my apologies for that. I have since been in touch with customer support on that video platform to make sure that it goes off without a hitch next time. And I've rescheduled that AMA for November 16th at 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Again, that's only available to people who are supporting on Patreon. It's the least I can do uh, for showing me that amazing level of support. How's your plate? How's your plant-based diet? Are you guys on track? Are you struggling? Check out our meal planner, meals.ritual.com. It's got everything you need to dial up your health on your plate three times a day. When you sign up, you get access to literally thousands of plant-based recipes, unlimited meal plans and grocery lists. Everything's metric system compliant for those of you who do not live in America. Uh, It's all personalized and customized based on your goals and your food preferences and your allergies and your time constraints. You can set it up to prepare dishes for one or for however many people are in your family. It generates these amazing grocery lists that you can then take to the grocery store to get everything you need. But in, I think, over 60 metropolitan areas at this point, um, you can get your groceries delivered. It will automatically uh, input all the ingredients to prepare the recipes that you have selected, and those groceries will be delivered right to your door. It's unbelievable. This is such a powerful tool. And one of the things I'm most proud about this product is not only that it's unbelievably helpful, but that it is affordable, $1.90 a week when you sign up for a year. So really love this program. We're getting amazing feedback. As I've said before, people are really enjoying it. So if you struggle or you maybe you're not a great cook or you're not somebody who likes to spend time with cookbooks and all of that kind of stuff. We tried to create this program to take all of the guesswork out of eating healthy. And uh, again, I'm really proud of it. So go to meals.richroll.com or click on meal planner on the top menu at richroll.com. That's it. I want to thank everybody who helped uh, put on the show today. Jason Camiolo for audio engineering, production, interstitial music, and help on the show notes. He's doing more and more work. Thank you, Jason. Sean Patterson for all his graphics work. He's the one who creates all these cool Instagram videos and with the text and all that stuff. David Zamet, who you heard in the intro for his beautiful photo portraits and video work and theme music, as always, by Analemma. Thanks for the love, you guys. Again, hope you enjoyed today's episode, and we'll be back next week with an amazing episode with uh, Brian Fogel, the director of the amazing documentary Icarus. Check it out. Watch it. It's on Netflix. Watch it before next week. Uh, You won't be disappointed, and I think it will really enhance your enjoyment of next week's podcast. All right, until then, be well, you guys. Much love. Peace, plants. Namaste.